once again into your presence. Thank you for meeting us in this space. We lay down our sins before you and we cast our cares upon you in this time of communion. And we receive from you, well, we, we are thankful we receive your grace and your mercy and your love. <clears throat> Be with us in this time as we move forward from this communion. Let us be closer to you than we were when we arrived in your presence. And may we not forget that we have laid some of these things down. And maybe we don't need to pick them back up again. Praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I have to tell you, uh, what I remember about this person is that her trailer smelled of biscuits and bacon. <laughs> I remember it vividly, that part. I don't know her first name. I only knew her as Grandma McClenahan, and she was a Bible teacher at a little church in a small little uh, burg in Kentucky, about 20 miles southeast of Cincinnati, about 10 minutes from the Ohio River. And... Um, as my dad was a weekend preacher at that little church, every Sunday, I would find myself down in this little tiny classroom underneath the church services where she was my Bible teacher from time of, let's say, five years old to about eight or nine years old. And uh, she had one of those old picture Bibles, like the old family Bibles you used to see, the big, big, that maybe be on your coffee table or something, and, and uh, had pictures and things. And and each week she'd open that up and, and teach us from that. There was a lot about her I don't remember. I don't even know her first name. But I know that she invested in me like she invested and poured herself out in so many people. One of the reasons she stands out in my mind, Grandma McClenahan, is um, she's the first person that I really ever had come to love that died when I knew them. And so when I was in the third or fourth grade, this ancient at that point, I, I have no idea how old she really was, but to me she was an ancient old person, uh, she passed away. Now what was remarkable about her funeral and that I remember pretty vividly, first um, to go, I was able to go out of school for the day and that was a big deal. But then secondly, when we got to the church, um, it was packed. This little tiny country church was just, I'd never seen that many people in that church building. And my dad was the minister there, and that, that, that struck me. And I don't remember the sermon. I don't remember what all was said. I just remember crying and weeping because someone I cared about had passed away. And something else. When I looked around all these people, the people who talked... Uh, they all talked about, and many people talked about, how she had made a big difference in their life. And it was one of the very first times I ever recognized, even though I was just a third or fourth grader, that your life could really have a big impact on the lives of other people. Her life, and I knew it, her life had a pretty big impact on me. I felt it even when I was a young person. I was so thankful that I had known this saintly, godly woman. And... Um, I had no idea what that would do or how it would shape me. But I know that her service made a difference. 
for me and for a lot of people. We're in the midst of a series right now where we've been looking at prayer. We talked about the importance of prayer and how prayer can be powerful and effective. And I, I challenged you in the first week of our series for such time as this to spend 30 minutes just you and God, just listening and being silent before him. We challenged you last week to really take seriously your study of Scripture and to understand that Scripture connects us to God, that Scripture protects us from the devil, that Scripture corrects us from sin, that it directs us towards the narrow way. And I challenge you to read your Bible more each day this past week. I, I remember something, I, I don't know if you're here, but the person came up to me after the services uh, last week and Remember I had said, I'm not going to ask you how much you read your Bible last week, but think about it. The person came up to me after service and said, zero. Zero. Now, I haven't talked to that person yet to see how this week was different than last week. But I hope that you're reading your Bible. It's, it's enormously important. And I've been challenging you, I continue to challenge you to read the scriptures. Which brings us to this third moment, this third truth, which we're talking about for such a time as this. And in the time that we're in, I shared this last week, the time we're in is perilous. <laughs> it's a perilous time. It's a pivotal time. It's a moment in history where the world stands on the precipice of falling into darkness once again. And I shared with you where the world fell into darkness before Noah. God was grieved that he would even have created humanity. It was so dark, and it was a society and a world at that time where everyone did what was right in their own eyes, but they didn't have a standard. They didn't follow God. We know from the prophet's writings that the world at the time of Christ was, was in, a, in a place of darkness. In fact, the, the, the prophet said, a world living in darkness has seen a great light. And we can look back in the last 2,000 years and see moments where the world once again capitulated into darkness out of the light. So here we are in this moment, a moment when society stands on the precipice of darkness once again. And the challenge before us is to be the church that makes a difference, that shines a light, that keeps the darkness from overcoming the world once again, and Jesus is the light that overcomes the darkness. And his is the only path that leads to life. And so we must be about his business. <laughs> it was the mission of Jesus, even when he was a boy, I have to be about my father's business, and we must be about his business as well. So today... As we move through this study for such a time, we come to, to the idea today of serving. And there's an elephant in the room that I want to address with you. And, and, and this is it. Before I can go any further into a, a call for service, I need to acknowledge something. I need to acknowledge that many of you who are sitting in this place right now have served the Lord have served the church for a long time. Many of you have been Sunday school teachers. 
nursery workers. Uh, you've helped in children's church. Maybe you served as an elder or a deacon or a trustee or a bookkeeper or a member of a missions team or a committee. Some of you have been greeters, meal preparers, part of a setup or teardown crew. You've served in the worship teams. You've worked vacation Bible school. You've given up a week for volunteering at church camp. You've decorated, you've cleaned, you've mown grass, you've blown leaves, you've scraped ice, you've pulled weeds, you've fixed things that were broken. You've painted, you've drywalled, you've, you've run slides and you've run sound, you've folded bulletins, you've performed in programs, you've made costumes, you've directed musical use, musicals, you've organized trips, you've volunteered for lock-ins, you've hosted a Bible study or a small group, you've prayed earnestly over the prayer list in the church directory. You've <clears throat> prepared communion, served communion, cleaned up after communion. You've brought donuts. You've made coffee. You've hauled away the trash. You've handed out bulletins. You've opened the doors. You've opened your homes. You've opened your wallets. You've opened your hearts. You've invited a friend or a relative or a coworker or a neighbor or a teammate You've donated candy, you've decorated your trunk, you've cleaned homes, you've done laundry, you've babysat, you've rocked crying infants. You've been a part of the church for very long, you've served. Oftentimes when you served, you provided what was needed out of your own resources instead of out of the churches. You've put in long hours. There's a good chance no one ever said thank you. There's a good chance that you probably felt no one even noticed how much you were serving and giving. So let me say this to you. Genuinely. Thank you for your service. It's not wrong that you would want a little bit of appreciation for what you've done. Even Jesus, after he healed the lepers, when only one came back, he, he felt their ingratitude. He said, didn't I heal 10, but only one comes back? You deserve praise. You've worked faithfully. I have no doubt in my mind, Ogilville Christian Church would not be where it is today if it wasn't for your labor and for your service and the things that you have done. Before COVID struck, in our internal meetings with staff and with the elders, we had a concern. We saw a lot of people that were serving a lot and they were fatigued there was frustration um, to run our programming that we had before COVID took a huge number of volunteers. And a lot of our people were getting tired. We saw that, we knew that, we were trying to figure out what to do about that. <laughs> and then, and I don't think God gave us COVID for this reason, but then two years later, you had a lot of time off. <laughs> it's time to get back to work. It's time to get back to serving. 
Service matters. And I tell you that not because I want to see a bunch more programs happen, although there are some things I do want to see happen. I tell you that because serving brings blessings for the servant, but also for a host of other people. And God knows who his servants are. I want you to think about something for a moment. The, the, the Bible goes through, and, and this idea of service shows up hundreds of times, and God always knows who his servants are. It, it's fascinating. We read in Genesis uh, chapter 26 that God is speaking to Isaac, the son of Abraham. And I want you to hear these words from Genesis 26, 24. It says, that night the Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Isaac, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you. I will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Your service imparts God's blessings on your family. God knows who his servants are, and he doesn't just bless his servants, he blesses others. In fact, oftentimes, the real blessings are not even experienced by the servant. Oftentimes, your greatest blessings will be for your descendants who will come after you because God will bless generations to come if you are faithful. And people who may not even know what you have done are blessed because you did what God asked you to do. And we see that happening and perpetuating in story after story of the servants of God. In Numbers, we read God says, Moses is my servant. He is faithful in all my house. In Numbers 24, we go on, or 14, we go on to hear about the story of Caleb. And listen to what says. God says, my servant Caleb has a different spirit. He follows me wholeheartedly. So I will bring him into the land he went to, and his descendants will inherit it. Because of his faithfulness, his descendants are going to be blessed, and they're going to get to come into the promised land. Because he was faithful in his moment when most of the people around him were not. In Samuel, we read these words of David, the messy servant. He says, uh, the Lord, for the Lord promised David, by my servant David, I will rescue my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines, from the hands of all their enemies. I, I, I love, and the Bible speaks so highly of David, but David's life is so messy. He reminds me of something about God, and, and we don't have to be perfect to be great servants of God. Uh, God loves messy servants, just like a parent loves a messy kid. I remember pretty vividly when I was serving down in, up, up in Cicero, Indiana, uh, in a youth ministry there, and, and uh, I came over to the parsonage one day, came home, and my wife was there with my, at that time, little son, Casey, my only child at that time. And Casey was in his kind of, I don't know, playpen, whatever they call those little cages. We, no, not cages. That's strike that for the record. No, we don't do that. We put him in that little playpen, and we had him there, and and and. and he was crying, and my wife was flustered, and she was on the floor cleaning something up, and I said, what in the world happened here? I mean, this is like coming home to kind of chaotic moment, right? And she said those words that, as a father, you don't want to hear, your son, right? <laughs> your son decided to play ball with the eggs in the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, there were eggs all over the place that she had caught him just throwing 
In fact, I think there was only one or two eggs left in the container of the carton. Now, his momentary lapse of judgment didn't stop his mother's love for him or his father's love for him. In fact, now it's kind of an endearing story. My messy little kid. Well, understand this about God. He gets it that serving him and in our life, it's going to be messy sometimes. The Bible tells us that he recalls and he understands that we are flesh. God knows that about us. But he's looking at our hearts and he cares about us. David was a messy servant. His story is not picture perfect and yet because David's heart was after God and God says there are very few that were like David. But because of David's faithfulness, in spite of his messiness and his continued service for God, his service when it was easy and his service when it was hard. God blessed generations to come after him. God knows who his servants are. God speaks in his conversation with uh, the accuser, Satan, about his servant, Job, in Job chapter 1-8. Have you considered my servant, Job? Mary, the mother of Jesus, when the angel comes and describes to her what God's plan is, says, says to him, I am the Lord's servant. May it be with me as you have said. Well, you know what? You are called to be, and I am called to be the Lord's servant. Not the master. Uh, not the boss. The servant. You're called to be a servant. In fact, it's really a serious calling. In fact, around this idea of service, there are many warnings in the Bible. This is kind of a hard truth, and I want to just say this before I go any farther in the sermon, before I read the words from Matthew 20 to you, I want you to hear this. These aren't my words. I didn't make this up. These are the words of Jesus, the one who offered us grace and mercy and hope, but listen to his warning for his servants. It's a serious warning for a serious hour, and friends, we're in a serious hour. So here are the words of Jesus spoken to you and to me. These are the words from Matthew 20, beginning in verse 36. Jesus says, About the day and the hour no one knows, not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. As it was in the days of Noah, so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. For in the days before the flood, people were eating and drinking and marrying and given in marriage up to the day Noah entered the ark. They knew nothing about what would happen until the flood came and took them all away. Those five words encompass a horrible judgment. Jesus says, that is how it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Two men will be in a field. One will be taken, the other left. 
Two women will be grinding with a hand mill. One will be taken, the other left. Therefore keep watch, because you do not know on what day your Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch. He would not have let his house be broken into. So you also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Who then is the faithful and wise servant. Why is Jesus saying all this? He's saying it for servants. He's saying it for you and for me. If you're going to be a wise and faithful servant, then hear the words Jesus speaks. He says, who then is the wise and faithful servant whom the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for the servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. Truly, I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose that a servant is wicked and says to himself, well, my master is staying away a long time, and he then begins to beat his fellow servants to eat and to drink with drunkards. The master of that servant will come on a day he does not expect, and at an hour he is not aware of. And I really, I really want you to know this is, <laughs> these, this next sentence doesn't come from your preacher. This is out of the mouth of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And he says, the master will cut him to pieces and assign him a place with the hypocrites where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus makes it clear that service and serving God faithfully matters. It's not optional. It's a matter of life and death. Paul, he told us about serving in Galatians chapter 5. He said, Brothers and sisters, you were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, Serve one another humbly in love. Elsewhere in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 7, he said, Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord and not people. Uh, Peter told us in 1 Peter 4.10 that we should use whatever gift we have received from God to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And elsewhere, Paul has told us that in Philippians 2, if we have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then we should make his joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and one mind, doing nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, valuing others above ourselves. And not looking to our own interests, but each of us to the interests of others. And in our relationships with one another, we are to have the same mindset as Jesus Christ, who being in the very nature of God, 
did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, and he took on the very nature of a servant. Service matters. I think we would all agree that when we come to the end of life, the hope that we all have is that we might hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. But there's a challenge. And the challenge is that serving wears us out. <laughs> it's not always easy. We are in the age of self-care. We, we, we have to do some of that. Jesus made time to be alone, no question of that. But he also told us, be faithful unto death and you'll receive the crown of life. The Bible doesn't seem to paint a picture for me that once you've served for X numbers of, of years, you've reached the quota of service and you're done. And I don't say that to be cruel. I, I don't suggest that you have to continue to work in the nursery your entire life or in a, a ministry. I think that we have some freedom to do different things, but I don't think that God has a retirement plan for his servants on earth. I think his retirement plan for his servants is in heaven. When your body wears out and you no longer can handle the rigors of, of lifting chairs and tables or of leading a group of young people, let me encourage you that those might be the times that you need to begin falling on your knees in prayer. You might not be able to do one kind of service, but you can certainly serve your brother and sisters in other ways. In fact, I know we have a lot of people listening right now who are listening in the online space. And some of you are sick. Some of you are still home afraid of what the sickness in our world could do to you if you contracted it and you've done everything you can to protect yourself. But even in that space, you can be a powerful servant of God by praying. And we need your prayers. Read the church prayer list as it's published and made available. Pray for your church leaders, your elders, your deacons. Be a powerful servant in prayer. I say all this because it matters. And, and I'm not calling you, this is not, a, it's not going to end with me today saying, I want you to pick this thing or we want to give you this and I want you to go serve in this way. That, that's not where the sermon ends, but I want you to think about your service today. I do. But, but not not in a self-serving way, although that's coming. I, I am going to be making some appeals for servants. That will come. But that's not where we are today. Today is in a space of saying, listen, your service to God matters, and, and you need to be a faithful servant. And, and this is kind of a, a moment, a come-to-Jesus moment for the servants of God to say, let's make sure we're about his business. Because Jesus made this his top a top priority to make sure we understood what it meant to be a servant. He modeled it himself, and he talked about it regularly. And near the end of his ministry, we have this powerful passage in Matthew 25, one of the last discourses that'll make before the cross. 
In Matthew 25, he gives us those words that we hold on to about being a good and faithful servant. Listen to the, the parable and the teaching of Jesus. Matthew 25, beginning in verse 16. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and he entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, to another one bag, each according to their ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once, put his money to work, and gained five more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went, dug a hole, hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned. He settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you've entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. Here is the words. Here they are. His master said, well done, well done, good and faithful servant, well done. Come, share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I've gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come, share in your master's happiness. Let me say, that positive, encouraging, hopeful response from God is what I want for you. Servants, that's what I hope you'll hear from your master. And what follows here is what I hope you'll avoid. And the reason that I preach these texts today isn't to scare you into serving, but it is to warn you that your service matters to God. And you must be faithful. And I must be faithful. For if we fail, there's a consequence. Then the man who had received the one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown, gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out, and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. And I hope that not one of you hear these words at the end of time when you stand before the master. But Jesus said, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew I harvest where I have not sown. You knew I gather where I have not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him. Give it to the one who has ten bags. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. But 
Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing teeth. That's a serious warning. The master is coming back. The master is coming back. And when he returns, he will have a conversation with his servants. He'll have a conversation with Marty Wright. He'll have a conversation with you. And I want you to find that conversation a blessing and not a curse. God wants you to find that moment a blessing and not a curse. Was Jesus serious about serving? For Jesus, it was a matter of life and death. And he gave his very life serving us, serving you. He has said to you, you can call on me any moment you want to call on me. Seven days a week, 365 days a year, 366 in a leap year, you can call on me anytime. That's the offer that he makes to us on his side. Are we willing to say back to God the same words? You can call on me anytime. Where you lead me, I'll follow. What you ask of me, I'll do. Can we say as Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. May it be with me, God, as you have said. You know about Grandma McClinahan? back in the hills of Kentucky, living in her little tiny trailer that smelled of bacon and biscuits. She had no clue that 50 years later, the little boy who sat in her Sunday school room would be standing in front of you today, preaching a sermon and reflecting back, that woman made a difference in my life. And yet here I am. And who knows what role, big or small, she shaped and played in my journey to this space. Who knows what your legacy can be. Here's the other thing that's cool about service to God that I don't want you to miss from the parable. When the person who had been given five used it for God, God is the one who blessed him with five more. He's the one who makes it grow The servant was faithful, and God gave a reward in this life and in the life to come. And when you're faithful, God does the same thing for you. May God find us faithful. Amen? Amen. It might be that you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior. That's the most important decision If you've not made that decision, I encourage you to make it as we stand and we sing our hymn of invitation.